Here we go. Notebook. I have a notebook. So, it is Mother's Day. And as part of... So, a topic that is related to Mother's Day, that is often mentioned, and it's, it goes along with one of my, my recent projects, recent themes and what I've been sharing on Sunday, which is how, what would it look like if we took the Bible and built our understanding of manhood and womanhood on the Bible, not on the culture, not on reacting to the culture, not on our philosophies and our reasonings, but actually on Scripture. If we used the Bible as the foundation for our understanding of what it means to be a man, to be a woman, and how we think of the relationship between the two. Well, Mother's Day ties right into that discussion. So the question that I would like to ask as kind of the the premise of what I'm talking about today would be, what is the most important job in the world? And this is kind of a trick question. If it feels like a trick question, then then you're right. So my wife nailed it. I I asked her this morning. And she said uh, something like, well, be a Christian and do what Jesus says. That's my girl. Yes. So that, that is ultimately the answer. What is the most important job in the world? Now, what does that have to do with Mother's Day? Well, it's interesting. We live in a day and age where there are cultural ideas about manhood and womanhood. And a lot of it is couched in this adversarial light of who's, who's better, whose job is more important, who is the, the lucky one and the unlucky one in the equation. But Scripture doesn't talk that way. Scripture doesn't think that way. In Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27, Scripture tells us what? God made them male and female in the image of God. He made them, both of them, that way, and he said it was good. That was, that was his idea. It was a good thing from the mind of God. It was never, God, God didn't create them male versus female. That's not what it says. He made them male and female. And together, they present a full picture of the glory and the beauty of who God is. So, the reason that I'm bringing this up today, the connection that I see to it today, is that We live in a day and age where there are so many ideas and philosophies and phrases that go around about motherhood, womanhood, marriage, um, men, so on and so forth, that really aren't from Scripture. And we're used to hearing them because they're normal, and it's the way we think as Americans, but it's not something that we got from Scripture. So one that you probably have heard is you'll hear people say, motherhood is the most important job in the world. Was that true? No. No. Is that because other jobs are more important than motherhood? Also no. Okay, but do you see see the point? The point is the most important job is the job Jesus gave you. So if you are a mother, the most important job in the world for you is to be a mother and a wife. Because that's what God called you to do. And if you're a plumber, the most important job in the world for you is to be a godly trustworthy plumber. And, and most of us as, as Christians, we have multiple jobs, right? I mean, I, I work on well systems and I'm a husband and a father and you know, I've got all these different... So those are the jobs that are most important for me to do as a Christian man, as a slave of the king. I'm his bondservant 
So the most important job for me is not being president because it's not the job God, God gave me, right? So we have this propensity to constantly measure each other by each other. Scripture says when they compare themselves to themselves, they are without understanding. The disciples did this. They're at the Lord's Supper arguing about which of them is going to be the greatest. It's like, guys, you're totally missing what is going on. And then I realize I've got to say the same thing to myself because I do the same thing. The constant comparison and contrast. Who's the best? Who's the greatest? Who has the most important job? But that's not how scripture talks. Scripture talks about us being faithful. So, that's why this conversation comes up regarding, regarding Mother's Day. Because of this, um, that, the phrase, I think it's actually reflective of the opposite. When people say motherhood is the most important job in the world, usually the reason they're saying that is because they're trying to compensate for the fact that we all really feel like motherhood doesn't matter that much. And so they're trying to say, oh, no, 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 really, no, it's super important. But that's actually just kind of a reaction to our culture, which rejects motherhood and acts like it's kind of second best. Like If you really wanted to be a, a real impressive woman, you'd go out there and have a job, have a career, and work a nine-to-five for some guy that doesn't care about you. If you're a real woman, that's what you, you know. That's what our culture says, and so we have this response of, oh, no, 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 no. It's the most important thing in all the world. No. It is extremely important. Obedience to Christ in whatever place he's put each one of us is extremely important. It's not based on what the world says, what the world likes and dislikes. It's based on what God calls us to. So, what does the Bible say about what is the most important job? Number one, you can look at Luke chapter 22, verse 26. And that's what I was just talking about with the disciples, arguing about who's the greatest. Who's got the greatest and who, who is the greatest in the kingdom? The disciples are arguing about this, and Jesus does what? He washes their feet. So who's the greatest in the kingdom? Clearly, Jesus is the greatest in the kingdom. And how does he demonstrate that greatness to us? He lays down his life for us. He washes the feet of his disciples. That doesn't mean that he, he lays aside the you know he's not king anymore. No, he's the king. He's the master. He has the authority. But he uses that authority to love and to serve and to bless his people. That's the example Jesus sets. So if we apply that to this conversation, who is the greatest? Well, the one that does the most loving, the one that does the most serving. Now, can you do that as a mom? You bet you can. Can you do that as a dad? Absolutely. Son, daughter, brother, sister, employee? Absolutely. Neighbor? You bet. So you want to have the most important job in the world? Okay, whatever job that God gave you, you take that job and you love people with it. And it is now an extremely important job. You serve people with it in the name of Christ. And it is now an extremely important job. Because whoever would like to be greatest among you will become your servant. That's what Jesus says. Luke twenty two twenty six. That's number one. Number two, the master distributes the talents. Jesus is the one that puts us where we are. So... It's not right for us to look out there and say, oh, that person has more. It's when I say distributes the talents. I'm referring to the parable, Matthew 25, verse 14. You probably know the parable. The, ser- the master gives talents to the servants, gives this one five, gives this one two, gives this one one. Who decided that? The master did. Jesus gets to decide that. He decides who he gives what 
two. The question for us is, are we being faithful? Whatever talents God gave to me, the right response is not, okay, well, it's not fair because you gave more talents to that guy over there. The right response is, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Because when you come back, I want to say, look, master, the eight sixteenths, which would be half, the half talent that you gave me is now a whole talent, whatever it is. However much he gave me, I want to offer a return to my master. Comparing my amount of talents to this person's amount of talents is a waste of time. It's not biblical. It's not countenanced by scripture. So there's, that brings up another interesting phrase that is common in our culture. You've probably heard the phrase, so-and-so married up. Now, usually that phrase is intended very sweetly. It's meant as, as a compliment. When, when a man says to a man, you married up, that means you've got, you got a great, beautiful wife, right? But I want to replace that phrase in our parlance because I think it would be more biblical to say, you were blessed with an amazing wife. Now, do you see the difference? One is, compare, contrast. One is, you were a two-talent guy and you married a five-talent girl. And the other is, you were blessed. A prudent wife is a gift from the Lord. And you have a prudent wife. You have a godly wife. God has been good to you. Well, amen. But do you see how that changes the dynamic of the conversation? From this person versus... Our, our, our language matters. The way we talk matters. It influences the way we think. And our world has this idea of, oh, you, you know, you, you man, you are Grog. And Grog has been graced with the favor of this angelic princess from the heavens. You married up. That's kind of the attitude of our culture towards men. Men go in their man cave and they, they you know, check out from the family and the women are kind of the ones that keep society in line. That's not God's idea of manhood. No, God's idea of manhood is men step up to the plate. Be a godly man. Be a righteous husband. So, hopefully, in a Christian marriage, nobody married up. You both married well. Now, you both got more than you deserved because we're all sinners. I did not deserve my wife. But that's not from a, like, this, this social idea of, because I, I'm an unworthy man and she has favored this male creature with her feminine deity. That's kind of the attitude that we have in our world. No, that's not it. We were both made in the image of God, but I'm a sinner. And as a sinner, I don't deserve anything good. I don't deserve Thanksgiving dinners. I don't deserve adorable children. And I certainly don't deserve a godly wife who loves me. So that I should still be humble. This is no justification for pride. What we are talking about is responding to this adversarial attitude of, oh, this person wasn't, you know, this person married up to this person. No, God made them male and female. And as we see godly marriages, we're seeking to marry well. We're still humble. We're still grateful. We still respect and appreciate our spouses and realize that we don't deserve godly spouses. But that's a manifestation of God's grace to us. But it's at a team as a team effort, as something together. We're grateful for each other. So back to point number two being the master distributes the talents, okay? Which means that he gives this woman five and this guy two and this guy three and this lady one and whatever. The question is, God gives us our talents. Are we using them for his glory, okay? So one, the greatest is the servant. Two, the master distributes the talents. Three, the head appoints the members of the body. You can look at Romans 12. It talks about how there are many members in one body. And I want to read that because I want to get some scripture in here because that is where the power is. 
Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. That's the most important job right there. Lay down your life and die. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. That is the most important job. How that looks for each of us is going to be different. Yeah, there are patterns. There are certainly biblical patterns for this is what it normally looks like for women. It's what it normally looks like for men. We should embrace those. But it's not like, oh, that guy got that job, which means that he's got the most important. No, we each have the job of laying down our lives on the altar, living in holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. And right there we hear again. This attitude of adversarialism. Of, oh, I'm thinking about me. Highly of myself. Because I have these gifts. I have these talents. I have the most important job. No. Think so as to have sound judgment. As God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body. And all the members do not have the same function. My hands, my feet, my elbows, my nose. They do different things. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. So the implication of the word gift is that it was given. And who gave it? God did. The head, who is Christ, is the one that appointed the members of the body. And he said, this person's going to be a hand, and this person's going to be a knee, and this person's going to be a, a heart, and this person's going to be... And the right attitude for us is not to look at each other and say, oh, man, I wish I was the appendix. That's not the right attitude. The right attitude is, okay, God made me the thumb. I want to be the best thumb that there has ever been. I want to make sure that the body of Christ does not lose its grip. That that would be the right attitude. Whatever body part God made me, I'm going to be that all the way. He appoints the members of the body, and we rejoice to fill our role in the body of Christ. Okay? Number four, the servants obey the master. Luke 17.10. This is an extremely important verse. Luke 17.10. Jesus says, so you too, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. Those are hard words for our pride to swallow. But if we understand the grace of God, if we understand the gospel of Christ, that we were sinners, we were enemies, and through his death, he reconciled us to himself, then we realize this is true. When we obey Christ, when we do our most important job, whatever that, whatever that is that he's calling us to do, we're only doing what we should have done. We're only making that reasonable sacrifice of Romans 12, giving back to Christ our lives which he bought with his blood. That is the right attitude. That is a humble attitude. That is a joyful attitude. When you're joyfully in the service of Christ... When you've joyfully yielded yourself, laid yourself down on the altar to where, Lord, you tell me where I will go. I'll do what you say. 
I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be where you want me to be. I am your servant. There's joy there. There's peace there. There is freedom there. There is no freer man than the slave of Christ Jesus. We all, we all will be enslaved to something. You can be a slave of your sin. You can be a slave of Christ. You come to Jesus and he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. So we as servants joyfully obey our master and do whatever job he assigned us. We don't compare our job to other people. Now, okay. So all of that, none of that is to take away from the value of motherhood. That's only to make sure that we're thinking biblically about men and women, not thinking adversarially, but rather thinking as servants of Christ, delighting to be where he put us. But let's, number five is the last point. There are, there are particular powers and glories that are only seen in motherhood that no other role can fill. And there's two passages that I want to just briefly mention. Number one is Proverbs 31. And I'm sure you are probably familiar with this one. It's the description of a virtuous wife. It's, a rec- it's from a mom to her son saying, this is the kind of lady to look for. This is what a godly wife looks like. And so it's, it's really more about wife, mostly. It does a lot of talking about her as, as a wife. That's the focus. But she's also described as a mother. And so just one particular note that I just want to hit on from Proverbs 31 is that she opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. We see in the book of Proverbs many exhortations to listen to your parents. You hear both father and mother. And there is a, every mom has a position in the home to speak into the children that nobody else can fill. Nobody can speak to you like your mom can. Nobody can mother you like your mom can. There is a particular glory to motherhood that is irreplaceable. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Is that important? Is that an important role in God's design for the, for the family, for the culture, for the world? Absolutely. Look at Titus chapter 2, 2 through 5. Titus 2, 2 through 5. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. There is a glory to godly wifehood and motherhood that honors the word of Christ, that makes the word of God look good. And that is a particular glory that is only attainable by wives and mothers. 
So Mother's Day is an evangelistic holiday. Motherhood is evangelistic. Godly wives and mothers, they have the opportunity to speak into the hearts of the next generation in a way that no one else can. And they have an opportunity to represent the glory of Christ in a way that honors the word of God like no one else can. It is irreplaceable. It is extremely important. It is glorious. And we have the opportunity in a world that can't even figure out what it means to be a boy or a girl to present the fragrance of motherhood. Everybody loves their mom. You meet some some biker dude in a back alley who has no moral scruples about anything in the world, but you insult his mom, he's going to kill you, right? We all have this, this, don't talk about my mom like that. There is this inherent tie to our mothers. That's the way God made it, and it's a good and beautiful thing. There is a power there that our world, is, our world can't, you can't even justify Mother's Day. In a, in a time where you say that, that men can be moms, we, we're lost. We're without an anchor. And we have the opportunity to say, no, 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 come to Jesus and come into this home. And you want to know what a mother's like? Walk into this home. This home has a mom. You can tell. You'll walk in and you'll smell it. You'll see it on the kids' faces. You'll see it in the decorations on the wall. You will taste and see the beauty of the way God designed the world to be. Wives and moms who catch a vision for that in the face of a culture that hates it, that despises it, that spits on it. That paints a picture that you just can't argue with. That spreads the fragrance of the glory of Christ in a way that is simply beautiful. And scripture says it right here. So that the word of God will not be dishonored. That's how essential motherhood is. What do, we, what, what do we live for? We live for the glory of Christ. We live for the advance of the gospel. We live for the proclamation of the word of God. And scripture tells us right here that motherhood is tied directly into that. Wifehood is tied directly into that. The godly wife and the godly mother honors the word of God. So when we celebrate Mother's Day, that's not just kind of a random holiday that's, okay, kind of cool. I mean, we all like our moms, right? No, this is essential. This is huge. It is worth meditating on. It is worth honoring godly mothers. Because scripture does. And because they have an opportunity to do things for the kingdom of God that nobody else can. And so we thank God for godly mothers, for godly wives. We pray that God would raise up more in our midst. And to those who are here now as godly wives and mothers, we say happy Mother's Day and glad to have you here. Let's sing together.